Woe to you of earth and sea. Welcome to Satan is My Superhero, a show about art, culture, history, and the devil. I'm your host, Judas Falling. In this episode, we will be talking about Satan's involvement in heavy metal. Obviously, metal is the devil's music, so we will return to this topic time and time again in the future. But I thought for this episode, a good place to start would be where my own personal journey into metal began, with the NWO BHM. New wave of British heavy metal also known as music for old men. With bands like Demon, Witchfind, Clovenhoof, Grim Reaper, Gog Magog, Hell's Bells, Pagan Altar and Hell, satanic imagery was the norm in the new wave of British heavy metal. Iron Maiden were my introduction to a culture that would consume me for the next 20 years. I got hold of the Number of the Beast album when I was 11 and it changed my life forever. This band has been active for six different decades. Feel old much? And over those many years, they have only produced a handful of songs related to Satan, like Dance of Death, The Fallen Angel, Prodigal Son, Revelations, and Lord of Light. Maiden often lifted their bass material from literature and film. Iron Maiden is metal for people who read books, or in my case, they made young metalheads like me read books. Um, can you take me to the library? Sure, why? I need to find out what a hollow is and where I can find one. There was a lot more Satan in the brilliant imagery of their artist, Derek Riggs, than the actual music and lyrics. There I said it. Let the comments fall where they may. Dear Satan is my superhero guy. <laughs> the album cover of Number of the Beast is a horrifying view into the hell of fire and brimstone promised in the Book of Revelation. A classic red reptilian devil stands over a horde of suffering souls while the band's mascot Eddie towers over Satan, controlling the Prince of Darkness with puppet strings. The album begins woe to you of earth and sea, which you may have heard before, you know, somewhere cool. The line was originally adapted from Revelation. The album's title track is about a satanic ritual taking place, but I also think it's about PTSD. Post-traumatic stress disorder, also known as, well, actually... It's exactly what it sounds like. At the start of the song, our protagonist suffers constant nightmares after witnessing a satanic sacrifice. Then by the end, our hero has lost their mind and is chanting, Six, six, six. The narrative has more than a whiff of the Wicker Man about it. Steve Harris wrote the song based on a nightmare he had after watching Damien Omen 2. Mommy, I had a bad dream. Oh dear Stevie, what was it about? Damien Omen 2. What have I told you about sequels? During the recording of the album, the producer was involved in a car accident. He crashed into a car full of nuns, and when he got the repair bill, it was £666. Now every driver I see is a potential enemy Cause you went and changed lanes without indicating And when you consider it, it's just inconsiderate you went and changed lanes without indicating. Maiden were never trying to be a satanic band. I would argue they were more into horror in the vein of Hammer films. The fact that they wanted Vincent Price to do the wall to you bit only furthers my point. Now, they didn't want to pay Vincent's price. Oh dear. Anywho, they got Barry Clayton to do the part instead. I couldn't actually listen to the track at night for about the first year that I had it because of Barry. Come on, man. I was 11. One of Barry's other notable credits is as the narrator of the animated kids show Count Duckula. So, yeah. I think Maiden were all about cheesy horror, with their tongues firmly in their cheeks. They couldn't give two rats about Satan. 
But they did release an album with the devil on the cover and call it Number of the Beast. They even released the single in red vinyl. I guess where else can you go when black is the norm? So it's not surprising that this was one of the albums they burned when they had album burnings in the US. Famously, they stopped burning them and started smashing them with hammers instead because they were scared of inhaling the satanic fumes. Because that's how evil gets in. You inhale it. Actually, that might be true. I burned them satanic albums, but I did not inhale. And in keeping with the band's often overlooked horror credentials, they made a video for the Number of the Beast single that was so scary it had to be re-edited for MTV after viewers complained. Hello, welcome to MTV Complaints Department. How can I help you? Hi, I'm a big tough metalhead, and that Iron Maiden video scared me just like a hammer film. Now, despite a lifetime of denying their metallicity and claiming to be no more than a rock and roll band, Motorhead were definitely one of the leading lights and most influential bands of the new wave of British heavy metal. I think Motorhead is what happens when Chuck Berry gets hit by an out-of-control high-speed freight train driven by drunken pirates. They had the coolest mascot, which made for the coolest t-shirts and coolest album covers. Lemmy sang straight up to the heavens with the voice of a demon and looked like biker Jesus on amphetamines. This is the coolest band ever. Famous for his rock star hedonism and collection of Nazi memorabilia, Lemmy wasn't a Satanist or a Nazi for that matter. But he was certainly anti-religion, with songs like Don't Need Religion, Bad Religion, and God Was Never On Your Side. Lemmy himself once said, God and the devil, I'm the church too. Rude! So yeah, not a fan of any of it. Lemmy produced a lot of quotable quotes about religion over the years. Here's a couple of my favourites. Religion is stupid anyway. I mean, a virgin gets pregnant by a ghost. You would never get away with that in a divorce court. Would you? You know, you and Lemmy are eating into my bread and butter right now, don't you? And I particularly love this one. I dislike religion quite intensely. Actually, it's been the cause of all the grief in the world, ever since they discovered the first stone to worship. The first stone to worship. We have lost a gem. I don't know about that. All I can tell you is he hasn't turned up down here. I came across some stuff on the net saying Lemmy made a pact with the Illuminati and is actually still alive. So, you know, that's good. Let's go, boy! I'm going to take a short break from the show right now to talk about my sponsors and Patreon. I don't currently have sponsors or Patreon, but if you'd like to support the show, you can do that by buying my novel. It's called Chaos Machine by Judas Falling. It's available through Amazon. You don't need a Kindle to read it. Almost any digital device will do. Don't forget, Chaos Machine by Judas Falling. Now, back to the show. Angel Witch had begun their career as Lucifer, and they indulged in the demonic imagery rampant throughout the new wave of British heavy metal just as much as anyone, but their most notable achievement was making it into the Guinness Book of World Records. It was for being the least successful chart act of all time, after their single Sweet Danger with the B-side Hades Paradise spent only one week at the lowest position in the charts. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you. The band is going to be so honoured. I'll let them know right now. Thank you. Thank you again. Okay, bye. Who was that? Who were you talking on the phone to? Was it the record company? It was a type of record company. Now, for obvious reasons, I thought Judas Priest had excellent taste in names, and they certainly had some songs with satanic themes like Devil's Child, Deal with the Devil, Devil Digger, and Race with the Devil. On the Stained Class album, in the cover of the Spooky Tooth song, Better By You, Better Than Me, it was alleged that Priest had backmasked the line, Do It, 
over and over. Personally, I have listened to that song backwards over and over, and I've never been able to hear it. Barred in 1985, two young men in Nevada shot themselves, supposedly because of that song. Priests were taken to court by the families of the two men. The plaintiffs failed to prove the band had intentionally placed backwards messages in the music, and more importantly, that such a thing could even have any effect. Danny Goldberg, chairman of the American Civil Liberties Union Foundation of Southern California, called the case... The most absurd courtroom episode since the Salem Witch Trials. Now, despite the publicity of the trial and Rob Halford coming out as a gay man at a time before that was so widely accepted, the number one thing anyone would say when Judas Priest was mentioned where I grew up was... Always, this thing has short hair, bro. In rural New Zealand in the 80s, a metal singer with short hair blew people's minds. My mind is blown, bro. What next? White rappers? Hidden way up the back rows of the new wave of British heavy metal, there was a band actually named Satan. Just like Venom, they were from Newcastle. Unlike Venom, they were, well, I'll let this quote from guitarist Steve Ramsey explain it all. Satanists, we're not a cultist or anything like that. And we don't write any songs about the devil. Not a single song written about the devil. I will admit, most of the time, not being like Venom is the correct choice. The exception to that rule is when your band is called Satan. Can't you hear the bell? It's time to go to... Where? Where's it time to go to? What rhymes with bell? I got nothing. Swell? Swell? You can't go to swell. This is why I hate drummers. Now, I know I've already mentioned them, but it's time for the introduction they deserve. Venom. If I've got to have a favourite satanic metal band from the 80s, it's these guys. They were a band for people who thought Motorhead were too slow, too tight, too melodic. But that's not what I loved about them. I love that they owned what they were. They all talk on stage names with connections to the dark side of mythology and religion. Kronos, Abaddon, Mantis. Hell, they invented the term black metal. With song titles like Sons of Satan, Welcome to Hell, In League with Satan, Leave Me in Hell, Hounds of Hell, The Seven Gates of Hell, Hell Child and Heavens on Fire, these guys truly deserve their place in the satanic pantheon. But as evil as Venom were, they only made it onto the number 14 spot on Tipper Gore's Filthy 15. Tipper Gore was the public face of the PMRC. Parents Music Resource Centre, also known as A Bunch of Karens. The PMRC wanted to set a code of decency, Gilead style, and Tipper had a list called the Filthy 15. It was her top list of the most offensive artists at the time. The only bands mentioned in Tipper's Filthy 15 for satanic material were Venom and Denmark's Merciful Fate, who did slightly better taking out the number 11 spot below Madonna and Sheena Easton, who was number 2. Merciful Fate and Venom were deemed less harmful to the youth of the 80s than Sheena Easton. Well, at least me and Tipper agree on something. We're going to sidetrack from the NWO BHM for a moment because you need to know this stuff. Guess who took out the top spot? Who was number one on Tipper's top tips? It was that truly evil artist, formerly known as Prince. I found this in your room today. Is it yours? I'm holding it for a friend. Oh, really? Well, this friend of yours has some real issues. What do you mean? What's wrong with MP3s? Do you know I've had to rebuy my entire record collection three times in my life? Don't fall for this shit. Anywho, Tipper and her cronies got to have a Senate hearing on the subject, and do you know who turned up to defend the rights of the Filthy 15? John Denver. 
That's right, the biggest glasses in folk music, and that's a big call, went to Washington to defend Venom's right to release songs like Kissing the Beast or War Against Christ. Here's a bit of what Mr. Denver told the good folk of Washington. The suppression of the people of a society begins in my mind with the censorship of the written or spoken word. It was so in Nazi Germany. Boom! Washington just got lured by John Denver, Godwin style. Godwin's Law. As an online discussion grows longer, the probability of a comparison involving Nazis or Hitler approaches one. Another favourite musician of mine, Danzig, had his biggest and best hit with the song Mother, which is all about Tipper's cute little crusade. Danzig is a platinum-selling recording artist due to Tipper's inspiration. Thanks, Tip. Tipper didn't get all that she wanted, but the famous parental advisory explicit content sticker was born. Now, obviously, you don't need to be a psychologist, anthropologist, sociologist, or even Donny Osmond to know what was going to happen next. And Donny told us in this quote. Kids go after what's cool. They're going to go to an R-rated movie before they go to a PG over G. Because it's cool. And if you censor it, it's going to be more called by the hardcore lyrics. Donny was right. Check it out. This band is called Satan. No parental advisory explicit content sticker, moron. Oh, what a shame. The PMRC trained my generation well. When I hit play on a new Netflix show, I look to the top left of the screen before I take in anything else. If I don't see adult themes and extreme violence, I thumbs down that boring feces and move on. Tipper Gore has saved me thousands of hours of not having to watch stuff I would not have found entertaining. I could have accidentally watched an entire season of The Crown. Wow, that was brilliant. What did you think? Um, yeah, I thought it was going to be a sequel to Game of Thrones. Were you waiting for dragons the whole time? The whole time. Anyway, back to the new wave of British heavy metal and Satan. I would argue the devil of 80s metal is a fire and brimstone Satan, a warrior king leading the four horsemen of the apocalypse. I think a big theme of metal in the 80s was rallying the troops. We were... And metal was an international gang to join. Every band had songs about joining the army or joining their militia. Venom's first song on their very first album features the lyric, Join Venom's Legions. You will find lyrics all through 80s metal encouraging... To join the revolution. So many bands were promoting the idea of this being a special club. We were being recruited into the metal army, but we never did unite in some international brotherhood of... And it's probably just as well. I mean, you know, we have history. Hmm. You need to recognise a cynical ploy to sell t-shirts when you see it. Anywho, in the 80s, we thought it was all just kicking off. The revolution was coming. And how the world has changed. Rose-tinted glasses much? I thought it only fitting to leave the last word to Lemmy. If I believe in God, I would not need an interpreter. God is the first to do everything, right? You should be able to talk directly to him. You don't need some special building with some guy who has a degree in God. 
And that's why Lemmy is my superhero. Lemmy? I guess he's pretty cool. If you've enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, subscribe. You know the drill. But more importantly, please recommend the show to just one person. I mean, literally one person. Choose that person well. No parental advisory explicit. I can't say it. No parental. Ad- no parental advice. Ad- okay. No. I can't get it.